Thank you for joining the Leadership Podcast with me, Sim Dendy. It's great to have you here and to be joined each episode with some inspirational leaders that are going to help you and I grow in our leadership. We all know that leadership is challenging. You can't always get the results you want to get, and sometimes you're limited by the resources that you have available. Whether these might be finances, time, staff, volunteers, or simply your own headspace, we all have restrictions with what we have to work within, which can cause real frustration. Recently, I was unwell and I had to spend time in hospital before taking a number of weeks to recover. I wasn't able to get out of bed, let alone lead anything. I had to rely on other people. And one of the many things I learned in that season was embracing my limits. There was plenty I was unable to do, but there was always so much I could still do and plenty to be grateful for. Healthy leadership requires us to encourage and recognize our limitations and still come up with a way forward within those restrictions. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 119 that God's word lights our path and our feet. He does not promise to give us the whole roadmap. Even the word of God has restrictions. I wonder what your limitations are that you're facing today and are they going to continue to frustrate you or are you going to take a big breath, pull those trousers up nice and high, and embrace the limitations, discover a new way forward, something for all of us to ponder and to pray about. Well, today's guest is Anne Calver, an inspirational speaker and an innovative leader and a really good friend who has a real heart for the church and how it can be released, or should I say unleashed, into God's purposes. Anne is married to Gav and they have two children, Amelie and Daniel. Anne has written a number of books, including our most recent one, which we, she wrote with her husband, Gav, in 2020, entitled Unleashed, the study guide for Spring Harvest that particular year. Anna sat on various leadership teams and groups for events such as Spring Harvest and New Wine and is an ordained Baptist minister. She is legit, people. She is legit. Anna is a visionary who, over the last few years, has founded a church movement called Unleashed, which is calling people into a new kind of family that seeks to be like the early church in the book of Acts. That's enough from me. Thank you so much for joining us today, Anne. Oh, it's so good to be with you, Sim. Thank you for giving your time. I know you, you're busy and you've got one of your children at home off sick at this moment in time, but thank you for being with us. It's been a long time since we've seen each other in person. How are you doing to start off with? How are you things going in the Calver household? <laughs> yeah, we're doing well, thank you. Yeah, just a poorly sick son with some kind of stomach bug in the other room and a daughter doing her mocks, GCSEs, um, and Gavin at the Evangelical Alliance where he normally lives. That's his second home. So, no, we're well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, no, we're, we're good. Like I said, just that little bit there, it's been a little hospital visit, but we're okay. We're back up running 100% now, which is, which is good. Um, I, I know that, Anne, for you, family is really important. You mentioned some of your family then. And um, yeah, Gav, your husband, busy leading an organization which is really trying to serve the church nation nationally, thousands of churches part of the Evangelical Alliance. And, and how do you manage to run around trying to support and help and be part of what Gav's doing, but also be a, a mom that's available to your kids, especially when they're going through exams and illnesses? How do you juggle all stuff, let alone, we'll get onto this, creating a movement for churches? How does that work for you? How do you fit family into all of those crazy ideas? I have no idea, except to say that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Um, and I just, I try and live by what I feel he's saying and what he's doing. 
um, the Lord. So I, if I'm moving in step with him well, then things are pretty much all right. And I, I do prioritize the children. Um, and I definitely, yeah, if I'm having a wobbly season, I pull back a bit from what I'm doing to focus more attention yeah. there as well. But it's always a shifting piece, isn't it? It's not like, okay, we've sorted it. This is the season we're living like this, but it moves all the time and I have to adjust accordingly. And, and and you mentioned your children there. I know you've often, you've written about um, your children in some of your books. You've written about some of your experiences. Um, I, I know it's a story you've told very often, but I think it really helps people give it a context as someone's, your passion for some of these things and your passion for children, not just yours, but other people's children to see them walking the way of Jesus. Uh, can you give us a sort of brief overview of some of your, because that was some, some pretty, you know, challenging times you went through uh, being a, a new mum, especially I'm thinking about the story of Daniel and all you went through there. Uh, can you give us a brief, I mean, obviously people could buy the book, that would be the other option as well. Uh, but tell us a little bit about that and why family is so important to you in that context. Yeah, just briefly, Sam. So we tried for a few years to have children and were told that we wouldn't be able to um, miraculously conceive Amelie um, and, and had her just incredible beautiful now 16 year old girl um but there was a lot of pain obviously in that process of waiting and longing so I know many of our listeners are probably there and that's hard that's a hard place to be and then I fell pregnant again um and I thought oh this is amazing you know the Lord's healed us everything's fine and I lost that baby um and I really remember you know going to the hospital and there was no heartbeat and the pain of of seeing that scan and yeah and the having the operation to remove the the baby that was pretty traumatic um and i think after that i thought i'm done i i'm done and um i don't even want to open the door of possibility to trying to conceive again and there was a lot of fear wrapped up in that in me and and i remember really clearly the lord like just working on my heart and my mind and saying but do you trust me do you do you trust me to try again? And, and and after a little while, I did come to that place. Go okay, you know. And we and we fell pregnant for the third time. Um, and by that that point, Gab's like, well, I'm clearly healed. Um, and I'm thinking, oh my word, what an ad! You know, the Lord did, has done something miraculous. But then when we and I thought, I honestly thought, Sim, that everything would be fine. You know, you know, you agreed to try again. You. You're at this point, you're at the 12-week scan, and then they tell me that the baby has a 5% chance of survival um, and that the fluid around the lungs and the heart is like nothing they've ever seen before. I mean, we were a study at Cambridge University because it was so rare. Uh, there was about five different antibodies breaking down his blood um, and just trying to put him to death in the womb. Uh, and, yeah, so we had I had 10 blood transfusions in utero, um, I was scanned three times a week and I mean, it was incredibly hard. I th- I remember just sort of praying every week, Lord, you know, you're still good. If he lives or if he dies, you're still good. We're still going to worship you. And that was our prayer, like all the way through that, that season. Um, but it, you know, you, you, you're praying it, but you, do you really, believe, do you really believe it? Um, and yeah, and miraculously he was born at 30 weeks cause he was safer out than in um, and it was, yeah, it was a long road from there. He was in special care for quite a long time. And I think my dependency on the Lord grew massively. I think my my faith and my trust was a lot of people saying, how can you keep trusting? How can you keep loving the Lord when you're going through that? And I was thinking, well, I'd rather live with hope in God than have no hope at all. 
Mm. Um, and actually the the closeness of intimacy with the Lord through that season was was incredible. And now he's 12 and a, a goalkeeper and yeah, it's amazing. And he doesn't have any further issues. So he's, he's free from all sickness, well, other than this book that's in the house currently. Yeah, massive learning time in my life. And, and you know, I, I mentioned I, I was in hospital for a few days and it was pretty traumatic. You were in and out every single week for weeks and weeks and weeks with the uncertainty. And like you said, living, yes, I, I guess these two is always very easy to kind of re- recollect as a sort of a positive, you know, I, I was full of hope. But I'm sure there are moments when you're like going, is this, is this actually going to work? I mean, to have a transfusion in the womb sounds, I mean, I've, I, you've told me this story before and I'm like going, you know how does that work with needles that must be so small to fit i mean it's like going the whole thing is just it's bad enough for some people putting needles into their body let alone a, a tiny little you know em- embryo small baby inside the womb it's like that just boggles my mind and you must be thinking is this going to work are we going to walk out of here with a baby or are we going to walk out with another sad story you, you, ah you must yeah, have had some yeah. moments there it was it was crazy because they would do the operation um, and like you say, they put that needle into the tiniest little baby and, and through my tummy, obviously, and into the room, into the baby. And then they would take out some of his blood and then put in this, this transfused blood. Like they would put in this blood. There was only two donors in the UK with the white blood mix. So sometimes we had to wait for ages for the blood to arrive um, into the, yeah, the operating theater. And that was pretty hairy because the longer that he was left without that blood, the less chance of survival so we'd be like like watching the clock and at the same time you knew that when the needle went in when the blood came out when they put the actual blood the right blood in to give him life for a few days that that could create heart attack brain damage it could just end his life in a second um, because it'd be so overwhelming for such a small life mm. in the womb and i would sleep for two hours and then they would scan me to see whether he'd made it um, and that, those two hours every 10 days were pretty hard. <laughs> and Gav would sit by my bed and just be praying and praying and praying and praying, you know. Um, and then they would scan again. And if there was a heartbeat, you live to fight another day. And it just went, it went on like that. I, I think what was so incredible when I look back on it was the prayers that went mm. up all over the place. And there were so many people praying. So many people knew the story. Um, you know, my my in-laws were in, a, in the States in a large church. They told so many people then. So there was a lot of prayer. And I could only describe it as feeling like harried by the presence of God because I think humanly, no one, how does anyone walk through that and not be totally yeah. traumatized? Um, yeah. But somehow they, they covered me and cushioned me and Daniel and the whole family. And I came out like so full of joy like so overwhelmed with joy and i honestly that joy i think is like you only experience it if you've come that close to seeing life lost or maybe even lost it but it was the joy of the lord and it lasted for nearly three years um Mm. after having daniel i just remember just being like (laughs) it was weird it wasn't even happiness it was just this welling up of joy from my in my guts every day yeah and I've seen Daniel in more recent times, and he it doesn't look like he was either a premature baby, let alone what he went through. I mean, he's a, a monster of a goalkeeper, and he loves his football <laughs> and looks very, very healthy, like you say, apart from the moment. But uh, family is important to you. But also, you mentioned there about in-laws. I mean, you, you and Gav both have got an incredible kind of, you're from Christian families, and you're, you know, you're, you're forming your own Christian family with your children. 
And there's something around the legacy and what you've received by being part of and the what you pass on. Um, do you want to comment on that at all? I think for, for both of you, both, you know, I know parents and grandparents have all been significant and all, you know, who've really given you something and birthed into you something that you've then together brought into the world, two more children and you're, and they're following Jesus. I mean, tell us a bit of that generational uh, blessing that comes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really on Gavin's side and, and like, it's kind of, don't, don't say, don't say <laughs> that. Don't say that. I'm not letting uh, you say no, that. We'll edit is, that out. <laughs> my, parents, my parents do absolutely love the Lord. And actually recently, this is a bit crazy, but recently I just, we just found out that in my family line, I think back on my dad's side, there was someone who was martyred for their faith in Jesus. So there is that like crazy radical. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, there. So I was like, I did actually concur with that a little bit. So, um, but on Gap's side, I mean, they are, I don't know how many generations of believers and Christian leaders. Um, and, you know, Gab's dad led the Evangelical Alliance, now Gab is, and his granddad on his mum's side led the EA before him and they started tear funds and spring harvest and you know and ministers church leaders um they are they are incredibly faithful i think you know more than that though sim from my point of view it's that we're passing on a relationship with the lord and that we're asking for him to release a double portion of his Mm. spirit to our children and i think um i've just been struck even in recent weeks by just it doesn't matter what age they are, does it? It doesn't matter what stage of life they are. They can come out with the most profound statements um, where you just sit back and go, my goodness me, I've been in ministry for years and they are leading me right now. Mm. Um, and they are showing me the way to Jesus. They are pointing me to a deeper love yeah. of the Lord. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that idea that, yeah, even now we're still learning uh, so, so was there a moment for you, you know, whether it's a child, teenager, you were like, I feel called into ministry, into leadership, into, I know you went to theology college, uh, that's where you met Gav. Um, but what was that moment for you? You're like going, I want to do some of this. I want to in- invest my life into God's church. When was that moment for you? Yeah, I, th- I think there were two moments. So I think there was a moment um, when I came like to Bible college where I just didn't even know Bible colleges existed. And that, that was a clear word from the Lord. Uh, I was at, at an Alpha Holy Spirit day and this guy got up and said, there's someone here and the Lord says it's Bible college. It's definitely Bible college. And I, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't grow up in a prophetic environment. I, that was weird to me, but something came over me, the Lord's presence I know now. Um, and I fell down and I began to weep and I was like, and my mom had the same reaction and we looked at each other and she was like, I think that's for you. And I was like, I think that is for me. And so there was a definite call to study and to go deeper into the word of God. And obviously, like you say, that's where I met Gav. And then like even maybe 15 years ago, there was this moment where I was on holiday and I was just reading Acts chapter two. And, you know, even all my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit and my sons and my daughters will prophesy Um, and I, and I just felt like, oh my goodness, the Lord's speaking. And he was saying, it's not just Gab, it's you as well. And I had been ministering as part of Youth for Christ. I had been doing things, but I think I had the wrong understanding, um, that it would be Gab that I would just support and bless what he was doing. And, and the Lord was really saying, and you step up and women, um, come on. 
Um, interestingly, I've just revisited that word recently because I feel like then what I did automatically off the back of that was go get ordained, hmm. which took a long, another good few years to get Baptist ordained, led in the Baptist church for 10 years. But just more recently, I, I realized that when I was in that space, there was always this sense of feeling like a square peg in a round hole. Um, and always going, there's got to be more than this um, still, which has been in me since I was nine years old. Um, but, I, but I think God was showing me that actually the call that came like 15 years ago when I was experiencing waves of the Holy Spirit's power through my body as I was sat there reading Acts chapter two, was that he was actually like a prophetic call. My sons and my daughters will prophesy. And, and I realized that there's like, not that the pastoring piece was wrong, but that there's been a shift into more uh, prophetic apostolic like leadership and anointing that well, maybe I needed that journey to be where what I'm doing now. Um, but but I've been going, oh, there's an anointing for something that I didn't tap into then because it was like, oh, the Lord's calling you, go get ordained. That was like the road in the UK, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> oh, that's that's the leadership pathway. Yeah. And the Lord was like, I didn't say that actually, but he's still been amazing in using it powerfully. And, and then, you know, you talk about, you know, your, your mom and that moment you both had. I love the fact that, you know, tw- generations and sons and daughters and, you know, men and women. Are, but but some, some there's still a challenge for many women today that they're going, can I really lead? Is that still, is that still allowed? You know, in some denominations, that's still challenging. And who, who are the people who inspired you? Who are the, the, the women that were leading in your sphere, in your, you know, were you experienced, who encouraged you, who called something out of you? Um, because I think e- even now we can easily find male role models. But where are, the, where are the women that you go, the way she spoke to me, the way she stood in front and said things made me think I could do something like that. Who are the people for you? Oh, I feel quite moved you asking me that question. I don't know why. I think I just really want to do the same for other young women, but I I really would name Anne Coles as a key person um, in the New Wine movement. Um, she she and John um, both believed in me and, and they gave me opportunity all over the place and trusted me with lots mm. of things and, um, and just, you know, you're hosting at that and you're speaking at that, but also just as a person, they believed in me. They, they gave me time and attention and and listened and and sharpened and inspired um so definitely Anne and then really alongside Anne Coles um was Christy Wimber um and I think Christy in particular has nurtured well did really nurture me in ministry in the Holy Spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit in the early years and and she would just say like right you're doing the response um and I would freak out and she would go like just go with what spirit saying and I was like what do you mean what the spirit saying but she like threw me way out of my comfort zones um and then the other person's Kate Coleman um and Kate Coleman really mentored me through the Baptist years and and I remember when she when I started journeying with her she said you realize you won't be the same when I'm done um and she was so confident and I love it I love it because it's it's made me go you know she knew who she was and she knew what she was carrying and she knew what she was imparting and therefore, I was able to fully receive it and fully begin to live in it. Um, so I, those women, I mean, there's men as well, but have been particularly life-changing for me. Wow. I love that that idea that you won't be the same. I think any good mentoring relationship 
should affect both parties. Absolutely agree. And it comes the warning label. Uh, thank you for sharing those. That wasn't even on my thoughts that we talk about, but I think there's something about inspiring generation, generation. Who Who is it that led you? Who gave you opportunities? And, and who are you creating space for? And who are you, you know, leading? And I know that, you know, my wife Lottie and our two girls, Mimi and Flo, I know they've connected with you and, and Ruthie and others and Generation Jesus and Unleashed and they've been on Zoom calls and they've listened and they sit there and they just, and it's all going in, Anne. It is all going in. <laughs> uh, worrying more than we think it is sometimes and they repeat things back to you and you think, oh dear, you really were listening. Um, but but so, so you mentioned about who inspires. I'm glad to see that Jurgen Klopp wasn't on the list of people that inspire you <laughs> as an avid uh, Liverpool fan that you are. Oh, um, he does though. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. I thought, you know, I'm getting in there because I thought you might say something on that. Or I, you'd be impressed. I listened to a podcast the other day with Brené Brown. Oh, And yeah. she talks about Anfield as being a spiritual place of liturgy oh, yeah. between the fans of the opposing teams. That's Ooh, one for I you. Love to, that. I thought you might enjoy that. I was quite impressed. She even knew who or Anfield was. But there we go. <laughs> Amazing. So all those people that inspired you. You mentioned there in the middle of it all your Baptist years. I kind of love that phrase. Like you're writing chapters in the book of Anne Calver. They were my Baptist years. Tell us about your Baptist years, Anne. Tell us about <laughs> you get ordained. Um, you become a Baptist minister. <laughs> the Baptist years. Tell me the bookends of that. <laughs> Oh, so, I mean, really simply, I did, I was leading um, as an associate in Oldbury in the West Midlands for five years, um, and then in the same role as associate in Stanmore in North London. Um, and yeah, working with two amazing guys, completely different guys, completely different contexts. Um, one was really urban deprived. Um, yeah. And then the other one really like rich, wealthy area, like lots of Jewish people in Stanmore, really multicultural so just a real breath of of understanding in terms of like local church and what that looks like in, t in a leadership space yeah so, do you so want more than that yeah I, I, I want more than that because that okay. you're to give me the the skeleton i'm like going what is Which it that, <laughs> well well like, i guess what drew you in and what drew you out i guess i'm looking for the this the, the, you know rather because we could go through year by year but you know yeah. there's something that said i i want to get into this i want to do this now something that went that's yeah. that chapter as you put it is done now and i want to so so what what was it let's go start what, what got you into that why why yeah. the baptist movement or why that role what was it that brought you in um, because you were yeah. part, like you say, the new wine connections you mentioned there, that's from the Anglican communion mainly, but the Baptist is where you started serving. Yeah. I mean, please know that if the Lord calls me back in, I will go back in. Well, when I say that it's a season that, I mean, I am open to what, whatever the Lord says. Did you hear that, Lord? Um, but I really, I do feel like that that season has has closed for now. Um, so I was called in, I think the, the, I was called to step up more in leadership locally and we were in a Baptist, then we were in the Baptist church in Albury. Um, did, did it matter to me that it was Baptist? Probably not. Um, did I, you know, it was more about the people who were there and the way that God was calling me around those people. And, and I, yeah, so I began to lead and then this moment happens in what you know with acts two and i and i actually just thought well why wouldn't i continue to develop here um i've got young children at home and i i was i needed to pull back from youth for christ quite a lot because of that and and i wanted to develop and grow and and you know minister to people and i think 
it made sense that it would be local uh, more than national where I had been sat. Mm. So yeah, so that that was the kind of the pull in and love. I mean, the people were just amazing there, just incredible. Um, do you want the pull out or do you? Yeah, do you absolutely. Because because you you were there like five years, then you came to London. You moved five yeah. years and you were serving, and I knew you were loving. I also knew there were some frustrations as well, and you were seeing God doing some miraculous things, some incredible connecting with people from different communities and different people groups who were starting to gather, and you saw the Holy Spirit fall in some of your meetings and prayer times. You you know, and, and it felt like there were some great things happening, and then probably about twenty twenty, if my memory is right. You're writing a book, and and there's there's a pull out. There is a there is a change of season. Tell because I mean I think it's really important to to learn how to navigate life and those moments where we're called into something, and also when we're called into something else, the next thing are really yeah. important moments to reflect upon. And I just want kind of would love for our listeners to know what was it that you said? Oh, actually, times up on this season. Yeah, no, that's good. I so we were like you say writing unleashed and I think there'd been an increasing burn in me around the Axe Church um, coupled with visits to Turkey and working with the Iranians um, and just such a deep deep stirring like I've never experienced before to see the Lord move in his body and transform his people and see his kingdom come um, and I and I just kept asking the question, is this here, Lord? Is this here? Um, and as long as there was opportunity to, to do that, to move in what I felt God was saying, I was absolutely committed to be in that space. Um, there was, like I said to you earlier, there was a sense of unease as well. At the same time, like square peg round hole, like there's something else going on, but I can't put words to it and I don't understand it. Um, and I think it was it was ironic, wasn't it? You know, COVID hits and Unleash, we, we all go into lockdown and Unleash the book comes out. And I was like, what, what is going on here, Lord? And there was quite a reaction to the book, which was, I mean, really positive. And I think in the, in the space of COVID, people were asking massive questions. And we as a leadership team at that point were pursuing um, as much as we could in the space that we were in, in terms of mission, in terms of, of seeing God move and it was a tight team. It was it was beautiful. The Lord was uh moving in power. And I honestly thought like this is gonna be where, you know, where we see an explosion. This is gonna be where things mm. really kick off from Stanmore. Mm. And and then like we had this time where there was a large number of people who were I, I suppose in a sense just not in agreement with what was happening. And and I think COVID was really hard because we were becoming really tight as a team, but obviously people weren't journeying that in the same way with us because we couldn't meet together in person. Um, and so there was a, maybe a sense of separation that wasn't great. Uh, but I think God just began to uproot me in that moment. And it became clear that where the church were going and where I was going were different. Um, and I felt like I could stay and fight and keep pursuing, but I, I just didn't feel permission from the Lord to remain in that space. So that that kind of began the next season. There's a lot more I could say, but it would take three hours and yeah, <laughs> I don't think. But, but I think you you've, 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 but you've made some really helpful comments there around the whole, you know, God sort of unplugging you. There was that kind of long, that, 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 that shaking of your comfort. And I think sometimes we can push back, we feel it's not fair. It's been, you know, I'm being hard done by, rather than listening to what's God saying, rather than how do I feel? 
and and to kind of listen to his spirit rather than our sense of being wronged in some ways because actually yeah. God is something more and I, I love the fact I remember talking to you in 2020 about you're writing this book and you said every time we've written a book something changes and and there was almost like this it might have even been the year before you were sort of I remember you and Gav saying every time you write a book something changes and it's always a bit frustrating and, and a little bit exciting all at the same time and if we write this book what will happen so you wrote this book Unleashed it was a study guide for Spring Harvest it was all about the early church and it was all about you know getting out there and making uh, going back to almost the basics and and what and then we go into covid and it's like exactly what we've written you've written about becomes almost everyone's in their homes the the church has been you know reduced down or improved we could say back down to the family unit and the home unit um and and then you think i know what we'll do let's start a church movement uh, no that's not what happened it, well exactly <laughs> so fill in the blanks for me because i'm like what happened and well, yeah. one moment you're a baptism minister the next moment you, you're doing these online stuff and connecting and people are, are, are one spirit starting to find each other which i know you you think this is funny i think this is this is funny as well but i think it's spiritually funny because god had a sense of human and the way he made this all work yeah because yeah, from my, yeah. what i saw was quite inspiring exciting like wow god's yeah. at work tell yeah. us about those moments yeah yeah absolutely uh, just just to say, like, the thing that's making me laugh as well is Gab saying, I'm never writing another book with you again, Adam. <laughs> yeah. So that, that tells you the other side of it, that, it, you know, if this is going to be what happens, that you're going to leave your job, you're going to get you lose your pension. I mean, I'm now off the accredited ministers list for the Baptists, which is really quite sad. Um, I, you know, it is quite a radical shift that, that's mm. happened and it has been extremely painful uh, but I, uh, yeah. So I think what began to happen in my head, I thought, well, let's start to do church differently then. If it's not going to work in the building, if it's not going to work, then I'll start doing it online. And a small group of us began to gather online. And I think in my heart of hearts, I just thought, well, let's be the Axe Church. Like, let's try and do it. Um, honestly, it was a bit crazy. Uh, but what happened was that people started to connect in from all over the place and it was really like unexpected really quite messy um and it was all they were all people who were connecting um with this sense of god writing something new and with a sense of the spirit stirring their hearts um and that they were they were having questions around church as well um and that that was the connection and i realize now looking back on that that, that the they were leaders they were mainly leaders that god was bringing together over zoom and so we we did church on zoom um with a lot of prayer a lot of communion for about a year and a year and a half and then we did go more local and in person but during the whole story of it the lord was showing me that it wasn't just about um planting home churches you know some people have said oh so you you you're a church planting movement and i'm like not like that's not what this is i couldn't probably put into words easily for you what is going on except that i know that it's a movement of the spirit and i would say it's primarily a prophetic movement of what the spirit is doing and it is people trying to be the church not go to church and yet everybody i think is connected into some church as well like a more established church in person um and more so now than they were before interestingly um, but I think what I've seen is this 
um, the Lord just bringing down walls between Baptists, Protestants, you know, Methodists, URC, Free Church, all of them, um, and just creating a deep, deep connection that is just, I don't really know anything about some of them, but I know them in the spirit. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, you can break it down more for you, but that's the kind of broad picture of what's going on. Well, break it down for more, you know, maybe some examples, I have to use names, but kind of, you know, how do people find you and go, oh, you know, Anne set up this Zoom call and for 18 months we're all going to hang out online together. You know, you know, you don't do flies, you're not doing websites, you're not promoting yourself in any way. You just kind of get started with a small core, but somehow people must be added to you and not to you, but to, you know, you there's almost like a heart connecting that's going on of one anothering which just for me, it feels so pure. It felt so sort of like people were just talking to each other. And so have you, have you connected him here? And, and I know multiple friends of mine who've been talking about their experience of connecting with you through Unleashed. G- give us some examples of how those sort of, you know, connections took place. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's just word of mouth. Um, it, was, it was really a, a prophetic conversation that happened where people would say like, I'm, I'm feeling this, I'm hearing the Lord say that I had a dream about that. I got this revelation. What revelation have you got? And it was like Emmaus road type conversation where the Lord was shedding light and bringing revelation, um, and revealing more of himself and his purposes that were making us all join together more strongly. Um, and going, Oh, we hear that as well. We hear that and sense that as well. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Um, and and so the prayer meeting was the thing that kind of was there from the beginning and hasn't stopped. And um, we we have had two gatherings in person, but I but I've been really nervous to. I don't. I think Sim. I I don't want to build anything. Like I really I don't want to lose any sense of movement of what the Lord is writing. I I'm really aware, you know, with the Asprey stuff, the Asprey revival that's been going on. Um, in the States that they have, I, I was just listening in and hearing, I think it was Rich Refusion that was saying that they're not limiting what God's doing, that they're in a sense putting up scaffolding to support what God's doing. Um, they're not build, they're not saying, right, only this and now this and now, like they are continuing to push the young people towards the building, towards the front, give the young people opportunity to serve, to minister, to lead, to encounter the Lord. And nothing that they've done has limited the move of God in that space. And I'm going, that's my absolute heart cry because what God has done, I haven't done anything in the last three years. Honestly, I've not done it. It's just been the Lord and his kingdom purposes. And I, I'm sat back going, whoa, like like if uh, the more we can make room for him and the more we allow him to do, like mm. it, you know, relationally primarily, I believe, then I think that that's the key in terms of what God wants to unlock for the church going forward. And it is a bringing down our walls and a free flow of his spirit between us. Um, yeah, I could say loads more, but. No, this is good. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, and I think it's it's often the, the structures that we create that create the division between Christians that as we try and move together and we're in one relationship and one accord and, you know, it felt good to us and to the Holy Spirit, we can do incredible things. But as soon as we start going, well, let's arrange a certain time that we meet at a certain place we meet a certain style we use we suddenly create differences which sometimes can be healthy and sometimes can just bring division um and, and you know like you say this movement is amongst people from different denominations of backgrounds H- how is it going now three years on how, how is 
unleashed the movement looking to you? How healthy is it? Um, you know, how, yeah. how, how much is it bringing change into people's lives? So I've had to like stop doing quite a lot of things that we were doing. I, I realized that we were beginning to become more organizational. Um, you know, oh, you've got all these people and now let's organize them. Now let's make plans. Now let's do this. And and everything that I was like thinking of and doing like that just had no blessing of the Lord, no wind of the spirit on it. Um, and so I actually in January, like when we gathered, I commissioned everybody out um, and not away from one another in terms of relationship, but away from any sense of organizational um, building and central thing that was going on. And, and I disbanded the leadership team sort of towards the end of last year. Um, and I, <laughs> I, but I know it doesn't sound crazy. But I think the thing is that we're joined so strongly in relationship that there's no problem in our relationships. It was just a sense of, you know what, God's not doing this anymore this way and we have to let go. So I feel like we caught the wind of the spirit for that for those early years. And now I'm waiting to catch another wind in a sense. So I feel like there's a new direction of travel that the spirit's taking us on. And I, I'm really waiting and we ca we're carrying on meeting to pray. We have got... Uh, currently five sort of smaller group spaces uh, but even that I'm holding it really really lightly if the Lord says stop we'll stop um, and really what I see across those um, four five is is this movement of the spirit in terms of you think of Egypt and you think of the promised land mm -hmm. like a movement of the people out of captivity and towards the fullness of the promises of God over their lives those are the those are the people that we're journeying with people in transition people planting new ministries, people starting new home churches, um, and people just going, I need to renew the church. I want to see renewal go through the church. I want to see the mm. church transformed um, mm. by the power of the Spirit. So that those are the small groups. That, that are no, no, this is great because, I'm, I'm, as you all know, I'm more of an organizational leader, and I, I, I hear you and I think, wow, you're so brave. And I think you're so crazy at the same time, but it, I'm, I'm saying in love because I think you're brilliant because I think movements get stuck because someone somewhere goes, right, let's put up some walls. Let, let's let's create a value system. Let's create some rules. Let's create. And, and then the movement suddenly gets, you know, the pioneers become the settlers and, and the movement has to keep on being sent out again to keep the thing alive. And I think in some ways what you've done is going, if this is going to continue to be a movement, it has to keep on being forced out of its comfort you know rather than settling and i think the easy thing in the world is to settle and to go let's just call this you know god called me told me to do this and we'll be blessed in it and god's very kind he blesses many things that probably he'd rather we'd carried on moving with yeah. uh, so, so I'm, I'm inspired by because i think as a leader you know to, to say god said this we're going to do something which is counter-cultural and counter what many people would probably say, you know, if you'd have asked my advice, said, oh, you know, and you've got a good crowd of people, let's, you know, <laughs> let's get it all yeah, solidified and fixed absolutely. and tidied. And you're like, no, it's got movement, you know, and I, and I love the fact you're keeping it live. I mean, how does your experience the last few years and, and the, the experience of Unleashed, how do you, and I realize time is running away, how do you realize that this, the church around the UK and the way the church has changed, you made a couple of comments about the people and their commitment to their local church and how that's shifting. What's your sense of the church right now? What's it look like in this post-pandemic kind of, you know, a little bit more things are being a bit more thrown up in the air. People are living slightly differently. How do you think, you know, this this culture we're part of 
how is the church looking to you and what do you what do you sense you know mentioned earlier about before we came and started recording about what god is saying to you i'd love to hear our listeners hear some of what you've been sensing recently yeah yeah so i i really feel like the lord is calling us back to the greatest commandment so i really feel like burning in me that he's just saying love me love me with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with everything that you've got and love each other learn to love each other and i and i realize that like looking back on my journey you know in maybe a more established setting that that depth of love mm. really wasn't present personally um for me that i was doing a good job like i was stood on the door i was welcoming people i was taking their funerals i was you know doing whatever i, I needed to do or should do or ought to do um and i was preaching okay messages from the front and and all the rest of it my pastoral visits and but it was it was quite um religious in its approach like it was quite um yeah should have to ought to and and i think what god has, has moved me into is into this place of saying and only out of love like only by out of compassion only as you're led by my spirit um which is really like i'm learning it you know it's not like oh bang like i'm full of love and it's easy like it's it's not like that, is it? It's yeah. it's genuine transformational work in my life, and I think what we what we're going to see increasingly as we go forward are the real strong joinings that have been there because of the spirit and a heart to heart connection that is only really real and really loving. And it's not about what you're going to get out of each other. It's not about what you're going to even achieve together. Mm. It's just about love. And so wherever we've come unstuck has been that we've made it more than that, that we've made it more than that. And, and I think, you know what, like we, we do need to honor people well financially and we do need like this, that there are lots of layers and levels in this. Um, but I almost by not being salaried and by not having any of those like no manse or no, no church house or whatever it is, that's allowed me a freedom um, that then is, is just allowed us to have just relationship and not add anything to it. Whereas I think some of the challenge for the church is to find the depth of relationship and then go, we're holding all the other stuff really lightly. And if all of that gets stripped away and like we're in a shipwreck situation, which some of the church could well be headed for, mm -hmm. that actually we're okay because we, we're committed to rescue each other and we're committed to the Lord. And so we're holding tight to him and tight to each other. I think when we get there, we're going to get to some kind of, um formation or foundation of what it looks like to be in china or iran or where they've seen the multiplication of the house church because it's been we genuinely only have jesus and only have mm. each other mm. and i and you know we have got all the other stuff so we have to work hard to sort of throw things off all the time to try and find him in the midst of it all and that's what we i think we're praying and seeking isn't it god help us meet you in the midst of it all and be transformed by you and yeah. thank you, thank you so much for that. I think that imagery of the, the the shipwreck, and you know, it's the end of Acts, isn't it? When Paul is on the boat and the boat's going down, but no one else is. You're not going to, you know, no one else is going to be hurt here. No, I think someone's just so worried about the church. We actually forget the church isn't the building, it isn't the structures or the systems. It's the people of God. And and thank you for reminding us that. Thank you. It is about love, love for another, love for God comes first, the greatest commandment, uh, before all the other stuff that we somehow built around that truth. And so. Any last comments before we wrap this up? And I don't want, you don't want to kind of hold you any longer. You give me plenty of time. Any last comments for our <laughs> listeners before we uh, shoot off? I, I think just to say, I, I think that God is calling us back 
to the table. I think he is calling us deeper with each other that don't be surprised if you've got like mess in your relationships right now. Don't be surprised if it's hard with family, it's hard with friends. I, I think we are in a sitting season. I think we are in a refining time. I thought it was over, but it's not. Um, and the Lord is is using that to bring us closer mm. to one another. And I think the quicker we are to repent, the quicker we are to forgive, um, the Lord can come straight into the midst of those relationships and we can see healing and we can mm. see a move of what he wants to do. His kingdom come in that space. His will be done. So yeah, just try and embrace the season of pain and struggle um, relationally because, you know, Joseph did that with his brothers and look at what God did um, as a result of them being reunited, you know, the salvation of many, many souls at the end of Genesis. And I think that's what we're living for. We're headed for the greatest global harvest, I believe we've ever seen or ever known. Wow. That's a great way to finish things up. The greatest global harvest the world has ever seen. We'll take that. Uh, in the middle of a challenging time, you might find yourself to be reminded that Anne Calver said that we're in the middle of a greatest global harvest. I'm, I'm taking those words because I want that to be the story of our generation. Thank you so much, Anne, for being with us on today's Leadership Podcast. It's great to have you join us. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Leadership Podcast. If you have enjoyed the conversation today with Anne Calver, I have certainly please do post on social media let other people know they can join in as you know it's always good to share thank you so much for doing that anyway that's enough from me and until next time goodbye and thank you so much for listening